Blog Talk Radio. Moreover, total polar ice extent has largely remained above 
the post-1979 average. The updated data contradicted one of the most frequently asserted global warming claims, that global warming is causing the polar ice caps to recede. Huh. The timing of the 1979 NASA satellite instrument launch could not have been better <coughs> for global warming alarmists. The late 1970s marked the end of the 30-year cooling trend. As a result, the polar ice caps were quite likely more extensive than they had been since at least the 1920s. Nevertheless, this abnormally extensive 1979 polar ice extent would appear to be the normal baseline when comparing post-1979 polar ice extent. Updated NASA satellite data show the polar ice caps remained at approximately the 1979 extent until the middle of the last decade. Beginning in 2005, however, polar ice modestly receded for several years. By 2012, polar sea ice had receded by approximately 10% from 1979 measurements. Total polar ice area, fa factoring in both sea and land ice, had receded by much less than 10%. But alarmists focused on the sea ice loss as proof of a global warming crisis. So what else does this then we could go Market A 10% decline in polar sea ice is not very remarkable, especially considering the 1979 baseline was abnormally high anyway. Regardless, global warming activists in a compliant news media frequently and vociferously claimed the modest polar ice cap retreat was a sign of an impending catastrophe. Al Gore even predicted the Arctic ice cap could completely disappear by 2014. Well, we're two years beyond that and hasn't. In late 2012, however, polar ice dramatically rebounded and quickly surpassed the post-1979 average. Ever since, the polar ice caps have been at a greater average extent than the post-1979 mean. Now, in May of 2015, the updated NASA data shows polar ice sea ice is approximately 5% above the post-1979 average. During the modest decline in 2005 through 2012, the media presented a daily barrage, that's right, of melting ice cap stories showing polar bears clinging to ice. Oh, yeah. Since the ice caps, <laughs> caps rebounded and then some, how have the media reported the issue? Yeah. They haven't said a word. No, not really. Not, no, they, they, haven't, they haven't said anything. So much for the fake news. The frequency... The, oh, you want go to ahead. Go ahead. <coughs> I have to clear my throat anyway. Well, the frequency of polar ice cap stories may have abated, but the tone and content has not changed at all. Here are some of the titles of news items I pulled yesterday from the front two pages of Google News search for polar ice caps. And this was from James Taylor, contributing editor of Forbes. And it says, climate change is melting more than just the polar ice caps. 2020, Arctic ice shelf could collapse. An Arctic ice cap shockingly rapid slide into the sea. A new satellite map shows polar ice caps melting at an unprecedented rate. The only Google, go ahead. The, I'm trying to get it up there. I don't know why. The only Google news items even hinting that polar ice caps may not have melted so much, indeed not at all, came from the overtly conservative, conservative websites. The mainstream media is alternating between maintaining radio silence on the extended run of above-average polar ice and falsely asserting the polar ice caps are receding at an alarming rate. To be sure, receding polar ice caps are an expected result of the modest global warming we can expect in the years ahead. In and of themselves, receding polar ice caps have little, if any, negative impact on human health and welfare, and likely a positive benefit by opening up previously ice-entombed land to human, animal, and plant life. Nevertheless, polar ice cap extent will likely be a measuring stick for how much the planet is or is not warming. That's interesting. Um, what, what was that that I was thinking here? Oh, yeah, you know, I was trying to find an article on China 
uh, the huge uh, that huge problem they're having down there. But it, which problem is that? Well, the smog they closed down half of uh, half of the half of the country because of the smog. People problem. can't breathe. No, they they closed it down. They couldn't go to work. They couldn't go outside. They, they could. They, they What's causing that? The factory? The fog. The, the, yeah, the smog. The, the, I mean, they have no. Oh, the dry atmosphere in the winter, maybe. Yeah, but that and, and the fact that they have no emissions controls over there. Oh, none mean, at all. Huh? Yeah, I mean, no, nothing. They just let their people die, you know, die of, uh, you know, quickly. You couldn't find any stories on that? No, I didn't find any. I, I just thought about it, actually, but I, I, there was nothing um, nothing recent on it. I was kind of surprised. Um, this is a sad, sad How about thing. this? A student debt crisis is driving elderly people into poverty. Yeah. I, mean, I think that has to do with the fact they're planning <coughs> the social security. I think so, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're attaching the disability and everything else they got out, which they're not supposed to do. Student debt crisis is driving elderly people into poverty. Now, they now they, they should be able to get the, Let's see a what lot it of that. Yeah, Student debt is forcing tens of thousands of elderly Americans into poverty, according to a new government accountability office report. The findings are startling. More than 110,000 senior citizens had their Social Security checks garnished in 2015 to pay off student loans they already defaulted on. Nearly 70,000 Americans over the age of 50 are living in poverty as their Social Security benefits are cut to pay off sub-student loan debts. That's this not is, right. This is so friggin' criminal. Student it, lending it? is typically thought of as a millennium problem. One of the one of exploding college tuition costs and ruthless interest rates that took hold over the past 20 years. But the GAO reported, requested by uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren and Claire McCaskill, demonstrates that the debt hub should have shared across generations. The elderly student debt nightmare is not going to sort itself out. A full 68% of older borrowers living in poverty with Social Security garnishments are only seeing their benefits cut devoted to interest and fees. Their overall debt burden is not diminishing. They will never stop making payments under the current system without a new source of income. The federal government is profiting from the mess. Every time a debt collector scraps a Social Security check, the U.S. Treasury Department collects $15. Our government is shoving tens of thousands of seniors and people with disabilities into poverty through garnishment every year and charging them $15 every month for the privilege, just so the Department of Education can collect a little bit, a little bit more interest and keep boosting the government's student loan profits. Warren said in a written statement provided to reporters, this is predatory and counterproductive. The problem is getting worse, not better. Since 2005, the total student debt owed by Americans over the age of 65 has increased nearly fourfold. This is not how either Social Security or private sector lending are supposed to work. Social Security is designed as a basic social insurance program. You pay in as you work, you cash out when you retire. Functionally, this makes it an anti-poverty program. Old people don't work, which means they don't get paid. And so receiving a Social Security check keeps 22 million Americans out of poverty, according to the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, a liberal-leaning think tank. When President Franklin Roosevelt designed the program in the 30s, he didn't include a caveat for people with lots of debt. If you paid in, you got your check, and issues between you and your creditors were your own affair and not the government. <clears throat> Lending is not a charitable enterprise. The Salvation Army doesn't collect in interest. Ooh, sorry. The Salvation, let me keep going, go yeah. back. Where is it? Back up. Oh, up, up. up. Oh, okay. You're going down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Salvation Army doesn't collect interest on bell ringers in Santa Claus outfits. The financial sector makes a profit from interest rates for shouldering the risk that borrowers might not pay back their loans. Default is the cost of doing business. By allowing lenders to garnish the Social Security checks of people living in poverty, 
The federal government is encouraging reckless student loans at interest rates that would be unsustainable in a free market. No same borrower would take out a loan if paying it back would require them to live in poverty. There is no constitutional amendment requiring the federal government to use Social Security as a subsidy for reckless bankers. As with many other 21st century economic woes, it's possible to trace the student debt debacle among the elderly back to the era of bipartisan cooperation between Bill Clinton and House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Prior to 1996, it was illegal for student loan creditors to garnish Social Security checks. Clinton and Gingrich cha changed that. Warren supports legislation introduced by Senator Sherrod Brown, Democrat of Ohio, and Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, that would repeal the 1996 law. Clinton spent much of his presidency extolling the values of higher education, insisting that the only way to get ahead in the Silicon Valley economy of the future was to earn what you can learn. To this way of thinking, poverty was not a function of structural imbalance in the economy that denied people a living wage, but the result of inadequate access to schooling. This ideology has been passed down through George Bush to Barack Obama. What I fundamentally believe and what the President believes, former Education Secretary Ian Duncan told the New York Times in 2012, is that the only way to end poverty is through education. Education is great. It's fun to learn about Plato and Chino Achebe and Jane Austen and the Krebs cycle and lending in at interest. It's also fun to eat what you are to eat when you are old, and tens of thousands of elderly Americans are living in poverty despite doing exactly what American presidents have told them to do for decades, namely getting an education. But then something is dreadfully wrong. Yep. Oh, boy. There's a correction on that. Oh, no. on their children's, but that's not true. They borrowed the money. Yeah. I'm going to read these in a second, but I think we should take a break. Music break. Oh, who okay. are we going to hear? Well, this is so cool. You're not going to believe who's on this. This is uh, Willie Nelson when he was like 30. Oh, okay. Good old Willie. Or 40 or something. But this, this but he was really young. There's only a couple of, a couple of minutes. But you got to turn on the volume. You I, have I, I will. Up. I will. Thank you very much. Here we are. 
are back again for the second portion of the E.T. show this week, and let's visit with Bon Wilson and E.T. over at Bon's Cafe. He didn't. T- he didn't play the guitar at that time, maybe. Well, he, he was. <coughs> I don't know. The, I don't know what this was. It looks like it was a show. A show. He was like singing a on a show. show. Yeah. Uh, say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but it's cool. Willie Nelson's in here on Ernest Tubbs shows. Oh, that That's was it. it. Ernest Tubb. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah. I hope cool. you enjoyed that break, folks. Yeah, I love. I love Western swing. I really do. Well, I love Willie Nelson. I think he's great. Oh, how about this one? The Wilburn Brothers, Cry Baby Cry. Want to try it? Okay, we'll play one more song, folks. Can't be very popular because it's only 849 views, but we'll... We'll see. But we'll get it first here on the L.A. Stool Christmas Show. (laughs) Oh, that's why there's no views. Cry Baby Cry Baby Cry Cry Baby Cry Baby Get a cinder in your eye Tell your mama
to run. He is asking for top secret clearance for his children. I would sure trust uh, Ivanka or Donald or Don Jr. or Eric a heck of a lot more than Hillary Clinton. Uh, and I think that they would keep the secrets. During the campaign, you put out a statement saying that the Clinton Foundation represents a, quote, pay-to-play culture that would be on full display should Hillary Clinton be elected president. Are you at all concerned that Mr. Trump now could be depicted as somebody engaged in pay-to-play politics? Uh, n no, not at all. Once a crook, always a crook. That's conflict of interest and violation of the law, illegal. And I say it's count one in a possible racketeering indictment. It's kind of unrealistic to say... You're going to take the business away from the three people who are running it and give it to some independent person. <laughs> You'd be putting him out of work. This certainly does underscore the belief that Clintons live above the law. How do you want him to address his business conflicts? He his However he wants to. <laughs> you know, this no, is no. not what I'm concerned about in Congress. So you'll put your assets in a blind trust? I would put it in a blind trust. Well, I don't know if it's a blind trust if Ivanka, Don, and Eric run it, but is that a blind trust? I don't know. Well, when the president does it, that means that it is not illegal, by definition. Exactly. He is absolutely right, Except he got caught at doing something, and... Well, what, what happened was, it is, yeah, I mean, it was a breaking and entering thing, and mm -hmm. he ordered it, and what a mess. <laughs> so that yeah, statement proved him wrong. Here's something kind of stupid. I, I, these things really. What is that, dear Mr. Yeah, Project? Is, yeah, yeah. I don't know if we should. Even bother. I don't know. It's it's so silly out there. The things I, I'm still, still I am still the future. Okay. No, yeah, well, that's good. Glad to know you're the future. I don't know if it is good to know your future, but that's what you. Kelly and Conway yeah, cool. move to Washington superstructure. Yeah. What does that mean exactly? Let's go to that. I'll tell you in a second. I have problems with this Facebook. It seems to, well, yeah. This uh, scroll here seems to have a yeah, mind of its her. own. All right. I really like her. I think she's I, a I smart woman. I, I do, too. I do, too. And there's a lot about her um, on this, in this particular article. But... Um, gives a history on her, and uh, she she was actually, on, before she got on this, she was an anti, uh, uh, she was a, uh, uh, she was a spokesperson, she was a spokesperson for, Brett Park, uh, wasn't she? No, not for Brett Park, for, but for uh, uh, pro-conservative pro issues, you know, mm. and uh, she's she on a lot of programs. Look her face there. Yeah, well, hang on a second. Kellyanne Conway, after having uh, helping guide President-elect Trump to the White House and then serving as a senior advisor to his transition team, said Tuesday she's planning a move to Washington, D.C. with her husband and four children to work in the political superstructure and to keep advising the country's new leader. She said, I will stay outside among the political superstructure or go into the West Wing and take a position right next to the president where I feel like I can serve him in the way I advise him off camera. Uh, and uh, and I, I can get into that just a second. There's, a, there's an interview here. I just want to make sure that, yeah. Yeah, she said she turned down the White House press sec secretary job. And uh, uh, Trump offered uh, several jobs I have not accepted. I think she wants to be an advisor. That's what she wants to be, yeah. I mean, she doesn't want to be on the inside of that crap. She's 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 doing very well where she is. Let's see what she says. Yeah, this is about seven minutes. Now, like Trump's senior advisor, Kellyanne Conway. Kellyanne, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you very much, Shanna. I was looking at this official statement from President-elect Trump as well, in addition to the tweet that he sent out, and he said this. These terrorists and their regional and worldwide networks must be eradicated from the face of the earth. Kellyanne, what's the plan for that? This was yesterday, by the way. Well, first of all, it's part of why he won, Shanna, because people want stronger leadership as commander-in-chief and as president of the United States. It's not enough to say you're going to contain the terrorists or negotiate with them or hope that they don't advance anymore. It's, somebody needs to get serious here. When he says eradicate, he means find a way to make sure that ISIS 
stops. I mean, their, their bloodletting is now on our own shores, as we know, through Orlando and through Santa Bernardino in just the last year, Janet, and certainly as recently as yesterday in Europe. And, and the fact is that when, when the president-elect says he's going to eradicate them, he has specific plans in place. He has talked about uh, combining with other allies to try to stop them, to put some teeth in the policies. Um, everything's on the table in terms of what that means. But also, his extreme vetting program is very attractive to many Americans because we simply don't have one now. You have countries that harbor, train, and export terrorists, most definitely radical Islamic terrorists, that are not vetted. And you remember, of course, Jenna, that the ISIS said that they would just mingle, mix and mingle in with the Syrian refugees. They promised to do that. For all we know, they are doing that. Uh, and, and that's another, I think, big problem, of course, that we just don't know who lives among us. We don't know who's migrating in, uh, from country to country and what their intentions are. But uh, the strength, not just peace through strength, but just strong leadership around the globe and stopping terrorism was a huge piece of his victory and will be a huge piece on day one of his administration. And, and because of that, it's, it's why I would like to go a little further with that question, because terrorism has been an issue that has plagued both Democrats and Republicans administrations over the last decade, as we've seen. And so we'd like to get more specific as to why Mr. Trump's strategies will be different and therefore more impactful than past administrations. You just said that he's going to put teeth on policies, that everything is on the table. When we think everything, I think we think about the movies, Kellyanne. Can you be more specific about when everything's on the table, what, what does that mean? Sure. Well, I would invite any, everyone, Jenna, to go back and look at his speech from about August or September on his four- or five-point plan to defeat radical Islamic terrorism. He put it out there. I know Fox News covered it, others covered it, but people forgot about it because it's not as exciting and titillating to cover as, you know, the scandal of the day or the comment of the day um, in politics. And so, and that's unfortunate because this is actually what people want to know about. So he has a very specific plan. Everybody can pull up. And what he says in there is that we, frankly, we have to stop looking the other way, too. We sometimes let political correctness and convention overtake what is incredibly important here, which is to protect Americans, American allies, their interests abroad and at home. And the idea that we need we need to really bolster our little... Right. I think that's on. She, uh, she goes on. You can get that on Fox News, um, YouTube, you know, go to Fox News and that's uh, uh, Sandy something, Sandy Fitzgerald, I guess. So check it out. But anyway... Um, she, that's good. I, I really, I do like her. You know, I, I really do. And uh, there's... Um, so he hasn't really said what he's going to do with her? Or she uh, said what she well, she, like? she's going to stay in the in the thing. She's going to stay in the... Uh, well, she's obviously moving there. Yeah. yeah so, no, she's going to stay in the, in the fray. Well, it seems like he depends a lot on her and his daughter. Well, he does. Yeah, it is critical. And he has to have people that he can trust. Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's he's really doing some great things, no, no doubt about it. And she's been a, a, an excellent spokesperson for him. She's able to really articulate what his ideas are mm. in a way that's very convincing, I think. Oh, yeah. And non-combative. Even um, though she's had some pretty... Um, Aggressive interviewers who've tried to get down in the trenches with her, she refuses to get. She doesn't go in the go trenches. That right. No, she doesn't. She's no. able to take the high road. She's very, very good spokesperson. I think excellent. She never gets ruffled either. Well, she she doesn't show it. She's pretty she, good about it. But I, I, if I she does, as you say, she doesn't show it. Yeah. So let, let me just say. Um, I want to do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right here. Whoops, not there. Here. Um, this fruit extract killed, killed cancer. cancer in 48 hours. Yeah, what it is, is it? It was really interesting. Uh, this is. Uh, I, will, I will let you know in just one second. It's had over 27 million views to this one uh, video. Video, yeah. Injection of a berry found only in Australia's far north is now thought to cure many types of cancer. It's been tested on animals at death's door and now on humans, making tumours disappear in just 48 hours. Oh my God. In the depths of the Queensland rainforest grows a small seed with huge potential. 
This is an extraordinary drug. It's a unique drug, and it really is something quite different. Derived only from Australia's blushwood tree, EBC46 is a molecule that can fight cancer. A full tumour destruction within seven days. Following astonishing results shrinking solid tumours in animals like Oscar, world-first human trials have now begun. For melanoma sufferer Denise Powell, joining the trial was a chance to avoid amputation. My cancer surgeon said, I can take that one out. If you get any more, then you might lose an arm. Instead of more surgery, EBC46 was injected directly into the tumour in Denise's armpit. Less than 20 minutes, the tumour had gone purple, then black. Then within a couple of days, the tumour just kind of shriveled up and died. This first stage trial is using safe, low doses, but even early results look promising. Surgery treats most tumours, about 60% of them worldwide, and to do that you need an operating theatre. But with EBC46 you could go along anywhere. When injected, EBC46 triggers an immune response, activating white blood cells to attack the tumour and shrinking it to nothing. So far, the treatment targets solid tumours such as melanomas and cancers of the head, neck and breast cancer. If this rainforest remedy is found to be safe and effective in humans, it could offer a whole new treatment option for cancer patients, especially the elderly, who can't face another round of chemo or go back under the knife. The second, larger phase of the trial begins next year. Dr Andrew Rochford, 7 News. Helmets, which let's let's talk about the white helmets. 
The White Helmets were, funded, were founded in 2013 by a British ex-military officer. They have been fa uh, funded to the tune of $100 million by the US, UK, and Europe, and other states. They purport to be rescuing civilians in eastern Aleppo and Idlib, yet no one in eastern Aleppo has heard of them. The White Helmets purport to be neutral, yet they can be found um, carrying guns and standing on the dead bodies of Syrian soldiers. And uh, their video footage actually contains uh, children that have been recycled in different reports. So you can find a girl named Aya who turns up in a report in month, say, August, and she turns up in the next month in two different locations. So they are not credible. The SOHR is not credible. Unnamed activists are not credible. Your sources on the ground, you don't have them. The agenda of some corporate media, it is the agenda of regime change. How can the New York Times, I was reading it this morning, or how can Democracy Now!, which I was reading the other day, maintain until this day that this is a civil war in Syria? How can they maintain until this day that, there were that the protests were unarmed and nonviolent until, say, 2012? That is absolutely not true. How can they maintain that the Syrian government is attacking civilians in Aleppo when every person that's coming out of these areas occupied by terrorists is saying the opposite? While the Syrians and while the Russians um, adhered to the tenets of the ceasefire, but the American-led coalition itself violated the ceasefire by targeting Syrian army positions in Derazor, killing at least 83 Syrian soldiers in a prolonged attack that lasted nearly one hour and which enabled ISIS to over overtake that position. What you hear in the corporate media, and I will name them, BBC, Guardian, New York Times, etc., on Aleppo is also opposite of reality. And they have manufactured stories, and I can give you a precise account. In April of this year, there was a hospital called the Al-Quds Hospital, which in a concerted effort, all media said, was attacked and targeted and badly damaged by either the Syrians or the Russians. In fact, the Russians had satellite imagery showing that this hospital was in the same shape that it was in in October 2015. No difference. Therefore, it was not attacked. Months later, The Guardian, which is a prominent British newspaper, actually said the Al-Quds Hospital that it had alleged months prior to the attack and destroyed was treating victims of so-called chemical weapons attacks. So even the media that is lying is inconsistent in their lies. And hopefully, above all, the U.S. will stop supporting terrorism and stop funding terrorism. Well, we know that Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama supported ISIS. Oh, God, yeah. That's, Horrible. Uh, yeah. Now, this, this thing came out just the other day, December 15th, and that's, what, six days ago? Mm -hmm. It's already seen 1.9 million views, right? And uh, this this girl, I saw, she was actually on, uh, on uh, someplace she was, uh, some, someplace she came up. Somebody from the actual media actually had a real, real, uh, not real media, but mainstream media. But uh, she didn't last very long. Uh, it turns out that uh, these, the, you know, she she was a Canadian journalist who saw all this stuff, reported on all this stuff, and found out that all of these uh, New York, all these mainstream, the Guardian, Guardian which is a British newspaper, the were, New York Times, which is correct, just yeah. a mouthpiece for the administration. Yep, and uh, all of them, they're just uh, all the mainstream rags. Yeah. And yes, all their so-called reporters are yeah, based in England. And yeah, yeah, they don't even have any. They don't even they have any real anybody. So anyway, there's nobody on the ground. No. Um, well, what I was gonna say is uh, this was funny. This is only like about ten, ten, ten seconds. But this is funny. Um, this is a protester reacting to the announcement that ten votes for Donald Trump by electors in Madison, Wisconsin, went to Trump. Uh, and she was angry because she wanted them all to go to uh, to Hillary. <laughs> she wanted them to change, even though he won Wisconsin. So here we go. Hang on a second. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang Trump. Yes, sir. Uh, sir, America. Her no, America. No, no, okay, no, okay, 
lady. It was her America. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, friggin' wingnut. Ay, ay, ay. Drain the Swamp became... Yeah, yeah. Drain the Swamp. Whoops, I'm sorry. Uh, but, oh. Um, it's got a couple he's of, ditching Drain the Swamp. Yeah, exactly. He's, well, I don't know if he's ditching it so much as he's not saying it. Not as rallying rallying yeah, people yeah. around that. Cause, uh, he found that there'll be nobody left in Washington. No, but there won't <laughs> be anybody left. If he drains the swamp, the well, there'd be nobody there to hold up the infrastructure. Uh, 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 okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's just hear this guy. This thing comes up. One of Trump's advisors says the president-elect is uh, no longer interested in his rallying cry of drain the swamp. I'm told he now just dis- disclaims that. He now says it was cute, but he doesn't want to use it anymore. Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich said in an interview that aired Wednesday on NPR, Gingrich, a vice chairman of the transition team, also predicted there would be constant fighting over Trump's efforts to reduce the influence of lobbyists and Washington insiders. Trump's aides say he remains committed to his underlying swamp draining policies, such as banning outgoing Trump transition and administration members from lobbying for five years. But Trump also prohibits any lobbyists from joining his transition team or administration unless they deregister as lobbyists. Uh-huh. All right. And President Trump, uh, like Trump, uh, ethics reform policies are full speed ahead. Transition spokesman Jason Miller said, we're going to change the way business is done in Washington and start putting the American people first. Yet Trump aide Corey Lewandowski decision to open up a consul consulting shop <laughs> just a block from the White House <laughs> shows that insiders will continue to play a role in the Trump administration. Lewandowski who was uh, Trump's yeah, first yeah, 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 right. said former Trump advisor Barry Bennett have formed a government relations and political consulting firm and are pitching their tries to ties to Trump as they seek clients. Lewandowski has been a fixture at Trump Tower in New York as the president-elect forms his administration. But because he never had an official transition title, he doesn't run afoul of Trump's ban on transition officials going on to lobby the government. It's also not clear if Lewandowski will register as a lobbyist. (laughs) Maybe not. For Trump voters who had hoped he would shake up Washington, uh, those may be relevant distinctions. Irrelevant. I'm sorry, irrelevant, said Meredith McGee, Chief of Policy Programs. What a funny name, yeah. Um, That might be a mistype there. McGee. I would think of it. Oh, maybe it's McGee. 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 But programs and strategy at the government's reform group, Issue 1. Uh, drain the Swamp is one metaphor. I have another metaphor for this Lewandowski move, and that's business as usual. <laughs> she said, it's hard to describe hanging out your shingle close to the White House after serving in the campaign as anything other than exactly the kind of insider access and influence that many Americans thought they were voting against. But you see, the thing is, is that there's no uh, guy can do anything he wants, you know? That's right. And, and, and uh, Trump just pardoned him. Okay, it's, it's crazy. But anyway, okay, let's, let's, let's end that one. But I want to mention, tonight will be the darkest night of the past 500 years. That's amazing. That's because of the solstice, but it's going to be the darkest of the solstice because there's a lunar eclipse. So this is the longest night of the year? Yeah. Of five, for the last 500 years. But, well, this is the solstice. You know what I mean? So thanks to lunar eclipse on the longest night of the year tonight, we'll be experiencing the longest, darkest night in a very long time. It's been nearly 500 years since the last solar lunar eclipse. Here's what you'll see. Um, faint, uh, a faint prenuberal dimming of the moon's disk, pervasive creeping sensation of unease. Why would there be a creeping sensation of unease? I don't know. Howling, of, oh, howling of wolves. Because uh, the moon pulls, pulls. It's a full gravity. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Okay. 
unclean things walk the earth. Dick Cheney rises from the grave. <laughs> Contortions of the zodiac. Intrusions of strange dimensions. And universal gibbering madness. Kutulu. C-T-H-U-L-H-U. Whatever that means. A glimmer of sanity in the chaos. Restoration of Euclidean geometry. <laughs> Fungal my go from Hugo returns <laughs> captive brains to their rightful order. <laughs> and applause uh, followed by waffles for breakfast. <laughs> and it says, ERM, actually, that uh, might not be the most accurate account. Damn journalists always representing scientific, misrepresenting scientific results. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, but uh, it says the Earth's shadow will begin to blot out the moon at 1.30 a.m. Uh, Eastern Standard Time would be 10.32 p.m. Uh, <clears throat> during totality, when the Earth is directly between the moon and the sun, the moon will turn a rusty orange-red for 72 minutes from 2.41 a.m. to 3.53 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. People in Africa will only get a partial view of the eclipse, but for those of us in the Americas, the best times to watch is during those 72 minutes of totality. Uh, here's a handy map, that, uh, whatever. Showing the path. So, yeah, so it's interesting. So over here, they'll be blocked, I guess. We'll be able to see it. Huh. Hmm. Obviously. Well, that was interesting to me. Since it'll be so dark, I won't want to be awake. Of course not. We're gonna, we're gonna, I don't. Well, I don't even see how we, we could see it. We're not gonna even be able to Since see it. Since it will be dark, we won't be seeing anything. Yeah, it'll be an eclipse. So basically, you're not gonna see it. But anyway, I think we should end by telling everybody what the top 1971 top 20 uh, 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 songs were. Jukebox songs. What do you think? Yeah, go ahead. We have one minute. Okay. Uh, let's see. Joy to the World. This is 1971 now. By Three Dog Night. Indian Reservation by the Raiders. Maggie May, Reason to Believe, Rod Stewart. Yep, and Go Away Little Girl by Donny Osmond. One Bad Apple by Donny Osmond. One Bad Apple, don't a whole bunch girl. I don't know. And you can... How Can You Mend a Broken Heart by the Bee Gees. How Can You Mend a Broken Heart by the Bee Gees. She's a lady, Tom Jones. She's a lady. Whoa, she's a lady. Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers. Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone. Just My Imagination by The Temptations. Just My Imagination. Fighting Away With Me, yeah. Remember that? Yep. Uncle Albert by Paul McCartney. I'm sorry, Uncle Albert. But I really did knew all the words to that it's one. It's too late by Carol King. It's too late now, baby. It's, it's too, too late. late. Yep. But I really did try to make it. She probably wrote that. I don't know whether someone else can't take it. Yeah. Oh, she sang it with a tapestry, remember? Sweet and Innocent by Donny Osmond. That one I don't remember. No, Beginnings, Color My World by Chicago. Oh, yeah, that was a... Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves by Cher. Gypsies, Tramps, and Thieves. We heard it from the people in the town. They call us Gypsies. Remember that one? No. Ah, you have to be... You don't even remember that? God, that was Cher's biggest hit. Theme from Shaft by Isaac Hayes. Oh, yeah. Shaft. Can you dig it? Mr. Big Stuff by Gene Knight. Mr. Big Stuff. Who do you think you are, Mr. Big Stuff? Me, Never going to get too far. Me and Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin. Everybody oh, knows right. that one. Me and Bobby McGee. Uh, let's see. Knock three times. Knock three times on, on, the, the, on the ceiling if, if you want me. me. If the answer is love. Knock then, three times. And then you have to dance, too, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That was good. Uh, the night they drove old Dixie down was Joan, Joan Baez. Baez. Says, the night they drove old Dixie down 
And all the bells were ringing in the night. That was a good song. Yeah. And Superstar by the Carpenters. I can't place that Damn, one. I don't remember that one either. I don't know if it was like... On the go.
ringing, ringing, joy, joy, hear them singing. When it's snowing, I'll be going back to my country home. Christmas time's coming, Christmas time's coming, Christmas time's coming, and I know I'm going home. everybody joined us tonight. Hope you have a great Christmas. And, and I hope year. you all be going home, too, or yeah. having family and friends with yeah. you on the holiday. Yeah. So have a good place. one, everybody, and uh, hope you have a great one. And talk to you before the new year. Yeah. Good night, folks. Kind of like that. Good night. <laughs>